0: Welcome everyone to Dead Talk Live. I'm your host Viz and I want to welcome all of our viewers tonight. Thank you for joining me. I hope you're enjoying your Monday evening. Let's say hello to some of you. CC Weezy is with us. Of course our moderator Saz Khaleesi is also with us. Hard Productions is also with us tonight on YouTube. On the Instagram side let's see we have uh, Aaliyah is with us. Naturally Cool is with us. Uh, Felicia is with us. Welcome to all you guys. Like I said, I hope you're enjoying your Monday evening. I don't know how many of you guys got to see that Walking Dead holiday special uh, yesterday, or today, or if you're planning on watching it. It's pretty cool. It's just like another episode of Talking Dead uh, with some fun holiday stuff. But here's an interesting thing that was revealed yesterday. Uh, Scott M. Gimple said that They are very close to bringing back, probably in the anthology series of The Walking Dead, one of the greatest villains in The Walking Dead franchise history. And it's been reported, well, who else can that be but the governor, Philip himself. Let me, It's a little bit here, during the recent Walking Dead holiday special, The Walking Dead Universe producer Scott Gimple revealed something pretty cool. He teased that one of the great Walking Dead villains of all time will be returning. But he didn't say which one. Specifically, Gimple said, we're working on something with one of the greatest Walking Dead villains of all time, and it's coming together. Uh, And then it goes on to say, well, it's not Negan. And if you're talking to one of the greatest villains of all time, it can only be the governor. I mean, come on. I mean, the guy was just pure evil. So maybe we'll get to see David Morrissey again in a flashback. Hopefully they'll give him a whole episode in the uh, tales uh, of The Walking Dead, which is the anthology that is going to start sometime hopefully in 2023 after the end of the original show, after officially the end of season 11 at the end of 2022. But, you know, just a bit of information that came out in yesterday's Walking Dead holiday special. We got a whole bunch of guests there. It was pretty fun. It was pretty interesting to watch. Uh, If you guys have a free moment, haven't watched it yet, uh, I would recommend you guys kick back and check it out. A lot of singing and so on. Uh, Welcome to Sammy. Philip is with us. Uh, Jennifer is with us on YouTube, as is Jesse. Ali is also with us on uh, Facebook as well. Welcome to all of our Facebook viewers. Marco is also joining us on Facebook. So we got another video edit from uh, TB Edits, uh, Thais Patera. This is a great video uh, tribute. So without further delay, let's just go ahead and check it out. Thais's videos are always amazing and this one is no different. So here you go guys, this is a Lydia tribute called Blackwater, check it out. That doesn't mean she's sad at all. She's just scared. Henry said I was a good, good person. And he was wrong. As long as I'm one of you, it's never gonna stop. mine. So there you guys have it, Lindsey Sparks said it best on Facebook, love that video, and that snowball fight, I gotta tell you guys, that snowball fight at the end of season 9 will forever, ever be etched in my mind. I don't know why, I have no idea why, maybe because it was a season finale, and it was the one season uh, that we actually got sort of a happy ending uh, on The Walking Dead, and maybe that's why it's seared into my memory. When they all make it back to Alexandria. But anyway, going back to Lydia, she's just such a great character. And Cassidy McClincy does an amazing job at portraying Lydia. Uh, uh, just wonderful. I love her. And she's just so adorable in that role. And it breaks your heart. Because uh, you saw right there at the end of that video. What it could have been between her and Henry. But Alpha got in the way. Want to welcome to Jennifer, uh, who joined us on Facebook. Says despite everything, Lydia grew up to be a great person. Could not have said it better myself. Uh, TB edits writes, can't wait to see what is next for Lydia. I think there she's going to become a bigger and bigger character in the final two seasons, including the six extra episodes that we're going to get as the show progresses. So. Uh, we got just got to wait and see, but I really think big things are coming for Lydia. I don't think she's just going to fall into the background now that the Whisperer storyline is over with on The Walking Dead. So anyway, moving on, the showrunner says real-life married couple, the Morgans, referring to Jeffrey and Hillary, uh, Hillary Burton Morgan, are amazing together in the Negan prequel. And when they're saying prequel, I'm assuming they're talking about the sixth of the six episodes uh, that we're going to get started at the end of February. The Walking Dead showrunner Angela Kang says, Real-life married couple Jeffrey Dean Morgan and Hilary Burton Morgan are amazing together in Here's Negan. And that is what the sixth episode is called. The upcoming prequel episode, Taking a Swing, at the ex-villain's origin story, very big pun intended there, and here's Negan airing as the last of the six new extended season 10 episodes coming in early 2021. Carol, Melissa McBride, takes Negan on a journey that leads him to reflect on his pre-apocalyptic life with the terminally ill Lucille, The the episode not only reveals the never-before-seen Lucille with guest star Mrs. Morgan, but is the first time the acting couple has appeared in scenes together. For Negan fans, we're going to do our version of the comic book story, Here's Negan, and Lucille is going to be played by JDM's real-life wife, Hillary Burton Morgan, And they are amazing together, Kang said, when previewing the extended season 10 during the holiday special. So I'm really excited for everyone to see various people uh, getting to shine. Morgan's co-star Josh McDermott, who's Eugene, said during the special that he's really excited for the episode pairing the married couple together. I read the scene direction for the table read on JDM's episode, Here's Negan, and I texted him after. I was like, this is probably going to be my favorite episode of the series, McDermott said. Here's Negan satisfies Morgan's desire to tell Negan's origin story, parts of which the former savior leader has disclosed to such characters as Father Gabriel when they were locked up in the trailer after Rick and the gang surrounded the sanctuary. That's where ultimately Father Gabriel, his eye got infected because he got walker blood in it. They have still yet to explain out of 10 years and people getting walker blood all over their face how Gabriel has been the only one to date to have a very negative reaction to that. Anyway, and Alpha of the Whisperers. I'm very lucky to play him because he's become so well-rounded and this kind of redemption arc that he's been on has been very interesting to play. And I think that Negan Lives, the comic book, kind of carries that on. Morgan said that over the summer on the, on the one-shot comic set after Neg- Negan's exile from the Walking Dead comic book in the wake, in the wake of the Whisperer War. It's a great little story. It's just a little slice of a day in the life of Negan. It's great and I would love and I would love to film that he said. I always wanted to film that and then the prequel to Negan. There's a comic book for that as well. I'd love to do that also. So there you have it from the man himself. And I got to say we got a little preview of all six episodes that are coming. Starting at the end of February. And that's probably the one I'm looking forward to the most. I think it's going to be fascinating. I am looking forward to the ones with Lauren Cohen. Uh, I hope we get to see what she's been up to all these missing years. But getting to see Negan pre apocalypse with Lucille, played by his wife, uh, Hillary, who, by the way, I don't know if you guys have seen the screenshots of her. She is sporting a green wig. Remember, she she is terminally ill with cancer before the apocalypse. So she is sporting a green wig in that one little very brief screenshot that we got to see of her as Lucille. Uh, Let's see. Lindsay Sparks writes, Can't wait to see that episode with JDM and his wife. Um... let me see. Uh, Giuseppe's with us on uh, YouTube saying, man, this channel is so much better than Make a Path Presents. Thank you, Giuseppe. Sammy is also here saying, uh, uh, let's see, sorry. Sammy's here. Philip is also here saying, cannot wait to see those episodes. I uh, want to welcome Naturally Cool from India on Instagram. Uh let's see Arthur Morgan is also with us. Uh So, want to welcome all the new people who have just joined us on Instagram. I'm just reading through the chats and uh moving on to the next bit of information. Uh Solid Blood 17 reveals major death of a major walking dead character from alternate timeline. The Mystery Image Comics' new title, Solid Blood 17, deepens as ComicBook.com has obtained a look at the interior of the new series which promises a lot of madness from Robert Kirkman, Ryan Otley, Cliff Rathburn, and Russ Wooten, including fan-favorite The Walking Dead character, Michonne. The weirdest thing about it is the comic is from another universe. Yes, you read that right. Solid Blood is a series from a parallel universe where The Walking Dead never made it past year one. Kirkman took a lengthy hiatus from writing comic books and Michonne never became the iconic pop culture character that she is today. This connects to comments made by Kirkman last week when he posted a video on YouTube Detailing the comic book's discovery. The letters page for Solid Blood, number 17, provides more context, revealing strange details about a parallel Earth where The Walking Dead was cancelled in its first year and Michonne was then used in a completely different series. You guys confused yet? Uh, This whole parallel... Universe, Walking Dead getting canceled after season one. Anyway, check out the spoiler page below to see more of this madness for yourself. The back matter of the book gives more context, with Kirkman explaining why Michonne is in the comic and where she came from. He also references the real-life history of his pitch to Image for a comic book for a comic called Dead Planet back in the year 2003, which was meant to be the original comic featuring Michonne. When that comic did not get picked up, Kirkman worked her into The Walking Dead, where she's since become one of the most popular characters in the comics and on television, with a crossover video game an upcoming movie appearance for good measure. Robert Kirkman has a history of surprising comic fans and retailers alike with new projects like Die, 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 Oblivion Song, and even Firepower. And you know what? Speaking of Kirkman comics and TV shows, how many of you guys out there watched... uh, the Showtime uh, Kirkman show called Outcast. Uh, I mean, g- damn! I mean, what a great show! It's about demonic possession, and it is from Robert Kirkman. It never made it past season two. Uh, I was upset at that. I really, really liked that show and their spin on demonic possession, uh, not the way we see it in the movies. Where usually one person is possessed and then you have a you know priest or whatever trying to exorcise the demon. It's about a, leg- a legion of demons that have been slowly taking over society uh, to take over the world. Anyway, if you've never seen it, it lasted two seasons, I believe. It never made it to a season three. But go ahead and watch it. It's called Outcast, uh, and it was on Showtime. And you can find it on any number of streaming services. Uh, let's see. Uh, Giuseppe writes, I think Kirkman gets jealous that his other series don't get as much love. Could be. Hard Production has an off-topic question. Anyone here like The 100? I'm currently watching it, and it's one of my favorite shows. The 100 is great. Just wondering if there's any... There's a lot of 100 fans in here. Hard Productions. A lot of 100 fans. So, um, Sammy also says it's a good show. But, yeah. You guys, probably... Those of you who have never heard of Outcast, It's it's another Kirkman uh, show. Watch it. It was only two seasons. It really sucked why it got cancelled after two seasons. But it's definitely worth a watch. It's very interesting. Anyway... Finishing out this article uh, says whether or not we'll get more issues of Solid Blood after this one, or if we'll see the first 16, we don't know. What we do know is that this is a book that will be in stories for readers to pick up. Sorry, stores for readers to pick up. That features a credits page listing Image Comics founding partner Robert Liefeld at CCO, and writer Donnie Cates as their PR lead. Kirkman has the ability in comics, publishing, and that image itself to be able to pull off this kind of surprise. We just can't help but wonder where is it all leading. Now, that sounds fascinating, and it's also confusing as hell. So, I mean... He's trying to tell us to picture a universe where The Walking Dead never makes it out of season one. We never got to meet Michonne. So Michonne is brought in in this other uh, comic book. Uh, Completely weird. Weird stuff. Weird stuff. But that's just the kind of creative and brilliant mind that Robert Kirkman has. So anyway, uh, the next thing that we have on the list is, well, the Walking Dead movie will be worth the wait. The big question is, is how long is the wait going to be? The eagerly awaited big screen outing of The Walking Dead is moving forward and will be worth the wait, according to Scott Gimple. Man, can you imagine Scott Gimple and how tired he must be of talking about this Walking Dead movie? Uh, you know, Scott, I've You know, I should get around to inviting Scott to be on this show. And I promise you, Scott, if you do come on Dead Talk Live, I won't ask you a single thing about the Rick Grimes movie. Because you've said all you could say. There's nothing really more that you could say about it that we haven't already read. So anyway, while the movie adaptation of the popular AMC TV series experienced setbacks due to COVID-19... We do know that the film will see Rick Grimes, played by Andrew Lincoln, taking center stage once again. Speaking on the holiday special, the 49-year-old comic and television writer, who has penned numerous episodes of the TV series, said, Two years ago, almost to the day, I was in the wilds of England with Mr. Andy Lincoln working on the movie. And because we work in television... We thought we would be working on the second one, right now. Movies take a long time, but it will be worth the wait. It is moving forward. The COVID uh, time kind of slowed things down nowadays. That's an understatement. But we're using that time to get back to the lab and make it as great as possible. I know that doesn't give you much, but it's happening. So basically, the movie's going to happen. I mean, that's what he's trying to tell you. Don't be afraid that it's going to get canceled, that they're going to change their mind or anything like that. It's going to happen. So it's just a matter of when. When is it going to happen? Uh, TB Edits writes, I saw Gimple saying that they thought they were going to be shooting the second one by now because they are so used to how the TV works and movies are so much more complicated. The average filming time of a movie can be anywhere between three to six months. That's filming. There's a lot of work that goes into pre-production, and there's even more work that goes into post-production. And then you have the filming itself, which can go three to six months, depending on the movie that you're filming. So, anyway. uh, Let's see. Sid writes, Fear the Walking Dead. Why is it not getting uploaded to Amazon Prime? Uh, no series, while it's in the middle of airing on TV, gets uploaded onto any streaming service unless you are paying for the episodes. So, like, if you have Fandango Now or Voodoo, you can purchase each episode or purchase the whole season and get the episodes as they are released. You're not going to get them any sooner than the day after they're released on TV. But don't expect them. Like, Hulu has Fear the Walking Dead. Netflix has The Walking Dead, which has yet to release Season 10. When they're going to release Season 10? I have no freaking clue. No idea. I don't know what they're waiting on, but it's not out yet on on Netflix. So Hulu has fear, and if you're waiting for it to start streaming like on Hulu as part of the subscription service, that will not happen till well after Season 6 ends sometime in April. So figure by the summer. But you're talking about Amazon Prime. I don't know if the episodes are available to buy on Amazon Prime. I know episodes are available to buy on services like Vudu. And Fandango now, so that's the best information I can give you on that. Uh, Philip Thompson writes: I hope soon. I really want to watch season ten. And I can imagine for those of you who have not seen season ten of The Walking Dead, I can totally, I feel you, man. I could totally, you know, see how anxious you can be to see the whole season if you haven't seen any part of uh, how the Whisper War progresses through an amazing season 10 that just ended for us on october 4th so hopefully it'll be sometime soon you know basil is also waiting for it on instagram as well Alfink, hello to Alfink on instagram so stephen yen if we have any uh i know we have a lot of glenn fans the walking dead star stephen yen new movie lands in the united kingdom The Walking Dead star Stephen Yen, who of course played Glenn, has starred in a a number of great projects since his departure from The Walking Dead back in 2016. Damn, has it been that long already? Four years. Over four years since we lost Glenn. Anyway, as well as appearances in films from from Burning to Sorry to Bother You, a lot of these projects include voiceover works, such as *Troll Hunters*, Voltron, his latest movie project is titled Minari, and that has been given a release date of April 2nd, 2021, which is when it will be available to see in the UK, and Irish cinemas. No word on when it might appear here in the United States. So, anyway, that's all we've got. As far as the Walking Dead news goes for today, uh, basically it's been kind of a slow news day altogether. But, like I said, yesterday was that holiday special. It's sort of just like another episode of Talking Dead uh, with a little bit of holiday spirit. And the information that I just revealed to you with what Scott Gimple said and uh, with the Governor, well, we're thinking it's the Governor maybe coming back. And him talking about the movie again. That's pretty all the new information that was released. So, let's get on to our topic today, okay? Today, we are going to be talking about movies and TV shows in the horror realm that have basically revolutionized the industry, okay? And we're going to start right with The Walking Dead. Because when in 2010... When The Walking Dead came out, we have discussed this a lot of times. We all know how, like, four to five different networks flat out rejected The Walking Dead. From NBC, HBO, I believe is another one. Which is really weird because, like, three years later they did the Game of Thrones. Which I would easily argue is a lot more disturbing in a lot of ways than The Walking Dead. But anyway, it's because of The Walking Dead. And uh, AMC said yes to it. In the beginning, they wanted to do, like, 13 episodes for season one. AMC did not want to put that much of a commitment uh, to the first season of The Walking Dead. So they came up with six episodes. And then season two became 13. And then every other season after that has been 16 episodes but the walking dead what season one of the walking dead and the boundaries that it has pushed in the horror genre are revolutionary there's no other way around it 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 has reshaped television not only cable television network television we had uh caroline de who was one of the stars of hannibal Um, An NBC hit show on here with us a couple of weeks ago. And Hannibal, which aired on NBC, which was one of the networks that rejected The Walking Dead, was an extremely gruesome show. And that's NBC trying to make up for what they missed out on by saying no to The Walking Dead. And ever since then, HBO Game of Thrones, man, I mean, great shows. Uh, they very great shows. But can you imagine if HBO did take on The Walking Dead in two thousand and ten, and they also put out Game of Thrones? So yeah, I mean, HBO must be really kicking themselves. Uh, I'm a big Game of Thrones fan. I was a big Hannibal fan. I'm a big The Walking Dead fan. I love them all. But it's The Walking Dead 10 years ago that started this revolution uh, on television. And like I said, it I'll say it again. It's not just cable. It's not just premium cable or satellite where HBO. It has spread over into network uh, television. There are a lot more horror shows now on primetime, well, at least before COVID, on primetime network TV than there ever were, you know, over 10 years ago. And yeah, you got to give a lot of that credit to The Walking Dead. Khaleesi mentions Evil on CBS. That is another uh, show about demons with a different twist a different spin but evil is a great show season two should have already premiered but everything is delayed we don't know when uh season two of evil on cbs is going to come out but that is another great show uh different twist don't expect the uh it's not as much uh a scary show as it is one that gets into your mind and head. It's a definitely a psychological type of, um, of uh, it's going to freak you out. But it's a great show nonetheless. Now, moving over to movies, there have been a lot of movies over the decades that have brought horror to different levels. You can go all the way back to The Evil Dead, when that came out. Uh, back in the late 70s or early 80s, I forget which year, with Bruce Campbell. And let's put away the sequels that came in afterwards. I'm talking about the original Evil Dead with uh, the Necronomicon, the Book of the Dead, a couple of, you know, uh, teenagers, I guess they were supposed to be, or going out into the uh, uh, in the woods. They rented a cabin. They find a book in the basement. They start reading the book. And lo and behold, they unleash evil spirits from all around the woods. Uh, The inhabitants, they all start getting possessed one by one. And, uh, well, mayhem breaks out, to put it lightly. But one of the scariest movies you'll ever see. And last night, I got to mention this. I saw this Indonesian film. Because I've, I mean, I've said this before as well. You're going to find some great horror movies coming out of Indonesia, South Korea. So I watched this Indonesian film yesterday on Shudder called May the Devil Take You Too. Not the number two, T-O-O. May the Devil Take You Too. And it was very Evil Dead-like. Scary as hell, the the kind of evil possessions that you saw happen in that movie are straight out of the Evil Dead. Scary, you know, walking, upside down, spider, black eyes, black. Um, I don't know. I don't even know what to call it. Black ooze. You know, oozing out of their eyes, mouths, and face, and talking gibberish. Just a great movie. And it's Indonesian, so it is subtitled. I hate movies that are dubbed. It's subtitled. If you have Shudder, I recommend you watching it. It's not a revolutionary type horror film. It's very much like The Evil Dead, which was a revolutionary horror film. But go ahead and if you have Shudder and watch it. It's called, May the Devil Take You Too. Now, going back to 2005, uh, I did a little bit of research to try to find what other people considered rev- you know, revolutionary horror films. And not one list did I find this movie. And that is Eli Roth's Ross Hostel. How many of you guys have seen Hostel? Okay. And uh, brought, you know, uh, Slovenia, a little corner in Eastern Europe, onto the big screen where people can go and you're watching this movie and you're trying to figure out as you're watching the movie, what the hell is going on? Why are these people being kidnapped? Why are they being, like, put up for auction and you have no idea what's going on till towards the last half of the movie. Cece Weezy writes Hostel is a damn good movie to me. Uh, Giuseppe just Happy writes The Walking Dead Australia would be interesting. Uh, that would be interesting. But Hostel, you don't find out what the main concept is of Hostel till the last third of the movie. When you find out. That all these tourists that are traveling through this Eastern European town are being auctioned off for very rich people who fly in from all over the world to satisfy their need for killing. Yeah, they are there and they pay. There's this company, if you want to call them a company that kidnaps tourists, puts them up for auction, and everybody who has the money and just has this overwhelming need to kill people, they go, they pay their money, they're given a room with a whole bunch of these torture devices, and they get to have their way with a... these kidnapped tourists. And it's gruesome as hell. There is one character in the movie who wanted to become a surgeon, but he never could become a surgeon or a doctor because his hand was not steady enough. So he goes to, uh, I, th- I believe it's Slovenia, and he pays the money. He takes live people, and he performs, he he enacts his dream of performing surgeries on people while they're alive. Under no anesthesia until they're dead. Just to give you a little taste of how just sick and twisted, uh, you know, and how brilliant Eli Roth's idea was to come up with Hostel. And then there was a Hostel 2, which was also pretty good when it comes to sequels um singer chick writes i have to stop on Hostel. it was a little too much for me it was it was a lot you got to make sure you have a strong stomach and are able to take the shock factor if you're going to watch hostile uh, i'm a white boy writes army of darkness rocks army of Do- darkness is the second movie to evil dead and uh, I saw Army of Darkness in the movie theaters. Yeah, yeah. And we went in there expecting to see a sequel to the scary-ass Evil Dead. Uh, maybe if we didn't go in with that notion and expecting more of a, uh, God, a uh, Not as scary, just weird, comedic type of a movie as the second movie was. I would have enjoyed it better. As the years have gone on and I've watched it again, I have gained a better appreciation for Army of Darkness. But when you're going into a movie theater expecting to see The Evil Dead Part 2 and you get Army of Darkness, you're going to be a little disappointed. You're just, you're going to be. I mean, I'm sorry. There's no way around it. If you go in there and take it as a, on its own merits, it's pretty good. It's, it's, you just can't measure it up against the original, uh, the original Evil Dead. Uh, let's see. Uh, Giuseppe writes, uh, Giuseppe writes, uh, hey, brother, if you need another moderator, I got you. Thank you, Giuseppe. Uh, Philip writes, because Greg wanted the price. Let's see, on Instagram, Marie writes, sick, sick, sick. Yeah, we're talking about some sick movies here, but they're revolutionary. Now, I'm sure a lot of you have seen the original Exorcist, right? With Linda Blair, Reagan, getting possessed by a demon by the name of Pazuzu. You know, we've all seen... If, you even, if you've never even watched the full movie The Exorcist, you have seen glimpses and scenes from it. Hell, as part of our intro credits on Dead Talk Live, I have a clip from The Exorcist. And then you have that famous scene where Father Marin, played by Max von Sydow, arrives at the house outside on a foggy night in Washington, D.C., Standing right under the under the lamppost Just you know, that's another revolutionary movie and according to legend when Linda Blair Who played Reagan the 14 year old girl in the movie who uh, got possessed? uh, When she actually watched that movie during the premiere in the theaters she The story goes is that she had to be hospitalized a lot of people went into the movies to watch The Exorcist and ended up leaving in ambulances. You got to remember, this was the late 70s, okay? And they went in to watch a movie, maybe they thought it would be similar to, I don't know, the Amityville Horror or something, but they would go in there and Friedkin, who directed the movie, uh, William Peter Blatty, wrote the book, and I believe Friedkin is the one who directed the movie. I'm pretty sure that's correct. Uh, made such, uh, such an iconic film in The Exorcist. It scared the living crap to where people had to be hospitalized uh, because of how sick it got them on the screen. For us nowadays, and what, what we're used to seeing on television and um and in the movies and whatnot it it's not that big of a deal but even to this day it's pretty goddamn gory uh vanessa perry on youtube writes a lot of people got possessed for real because of the exorcist and that's a great point vanessa a lot of people who went to see the exorcist uh let's just say uh attendance at churches mosques everything around the world doubled tripled after they saw the movie the exorcist people thought family members were possessed people thought they were possessed uh that's the kind of impact that the movie had khaleesi writes my mom said they had a sign saying that if you have a heart condition Do not watch. That is absolutely correct. Uh, Singer Chick was based on a boy that lived in St. Louis, just north of me. Actually, the movie The Exorcist is about a boy. It's not St. Louis. It's about a boy, a 13-year-old boy, in the Washington, D.C., Maryland area, which is right near where I live. It was not St. Louis, but it was uh, William Peter Blatty who wrote the book, used uh, the story. This is a very famous story of a 13-year-old boy who was believed to have been possessed. Uh, And he was brought to hospitals just like they did in the movie. They did all sorts of tests on him. Everything came back normal. They could not find anything wrong with him. Finally, he was uh, placed in a Catholic hospital where priests, there would be two priests, there would be a main priest and a secondary priest to record what was going on and uh, the original priest died uh, several a while ago And I don't know if the second priest is still alive, but before he died, he released a lot of the tapes that were recorded over the weeks. I mean, this is not an exorcism that took place in the night. Just like in the movie, it takes place over the course of one night, and that's it. No, this exorcism takes place over weeks and weeks and weeks. Uh, And the boy was tormented. The stuff that you would see in the movie, the, uh, the stuff that would appear on Linda Blair from the inside of her skin, writing, help me, uh, the levitation off the bed, the bed shaking, that all supposedly happened in real life, according to this priest who was there to make sure that this whole thing was recorded and put to the test. Documentaries have been made on the story. Um, You can look them up. Uh, They're available on YouTube. Uh, Singer Chick writes, uh, he was in Alexian Brothers Hospital. Okay, I don't know the name of the hospital. But I'm pretty sure the story, uh, that original story with the 13-year-old boy, it took place in the D.C. Maryland area. That's why uh, Blatty, when he wrote his book, and Friedkin, when he did the movie, filmed it in Washington, D.C. And those stairs, those famous stairs where Father Damien uh, fell at at the end of the exorcism, when he's beating on Linda Blair, and he's telling the demon to take me, take me. And then you start seeing uh, the father getting possessed, his eyes... Uh, turning a different color, so he kills himself. He goes and jumps out of the window and takes a big stumble down those stairs. Those stairs are there. They're real. That was filmed right here in Washington, D.C., and if you you ever visit Washington, D.C., it's a landmark. If you go to those stairs, you will see a big plaque right next to the stairs referencing that this is where they filmed the movie The Exorcist. I have seen those stairs, and granted, the top of the stairs, how it's depicted in the film, that's not accurate. They had to cut and, you know, for lack of a better term, cut and paste uh, two different images together to make it seem like that. From that window, you can actually jump onto the stairs. It's not like that. But everything else about those stairs is 100%, le- 100% accurate. They're there, and if, uh, if you're ever in uh, Washington, D.C., it's in Georgetown. It's in Georgetown. Uh, look it up. You'll find the, uh, the address very easily on the Internet, and you can go ahead and check it out. So anyway, The Exorcist. The other movie that I want to talk to you guys about, uh, it also goes back into the late 70s. How many of you guys have seen the original Omen? Okay. With Damien. Now, this is a movie about the Antichrist. Uh, Scary movie as hell. All three movies. You had The Omen. The second movie was called Damien. And the third movie was called uh, The Omen, The Final Conflict, starring Sam Neill. All three were great. Uh, The first one was particularly scary uh it's about uh the ambassador to of the united states to the united kingdom his wife it starts off where his wife is in labor she's knocked on conscience but the baby dies uh as soon as it's delivered it dies that's what they tell the father it's dead But, through, you want to call it convenience, or you find out later on in the movie, another woman gave birth at the same time, and the baby lived, but the mother mysteriously died. So they offer, now this is a priest, this is like a Catholic hospital. Uh, You know what, It it may not be the United Kingdom, it may actually be in Italy. I think it was, I think it was in Italy, not the UK. Anyway, they offer the father to present this other baby to his wife as their own and that he would keep his mouth shut that it's not their child. And he did. He didn't want to break his wife's heart and let her know that their baby died. Later on in the movie, we find out that his baby was actually murdered because the baby that was delivered... And was given to him was not of a natural birth. Okay, let's just leave. Let's just leave it at that. It is the Antichrist that was born into this uh, world on June sixth, six a.m., six six six. That's how they try to explain the number of the beast, 666. June 6th, six six six, June sixth, six a.m. in the morning is exactly when this baby was delivered so he takes the baby his wife is clueless that this baby is not even hers as the baby starts to grow up the mother starts to feel more and more estranged from him she doesn't understand why weird stuff is happening with him they try to take him to church he has violent reactions and this is just a little kid. He doesn't understand what's going on. He doesn't even know himself that he's the Antichrist. He actually doesn't find out until the second movie. And there's a whole legion of people that are out to protect him. Uh, he has a caretaker that uh, knows exactly who he is, that is brought into the house as his nanny. Uh, he has protectors such as his dogs and so on. But anyway... I'm rambling right now, but the omen was a very, uh, Khaleesi writes, my daughter was due June 6, 2006. She said, no way, she had him on the 7th. Wow. Okay, but it wasn't the year, it was the time. She could have been born on June 6, she'd be fine, as long as she didn't come into this world at 6 a.m. That's how you avoid the last six. But anyway, that's funny, Khaleesi. I mean not funny, but that's I'm sorry. You kinda you kinda have to laugh at that. Uh so anyway, the second movie, Damien, which is the name of the boy, he finds out exactly who he is. He's told that he is basically the Antichrist. He finds the mark of the beast, it's hidden below his hairline. And in the third movie uh, where he's a full-grown adult, played by Sam Neill. He is ready to take his reign as uh, how it's predicted in the Bible. And, uh, of course, he's out to prove that the way it ends in the Bible, in the Arma- in the war, in the Armageddon, where the beast is finally put down, he's obviously ready to fight that and have that not come to real life. It all plays out great in the end. Three great movies, they've all been redone, and actually the first one, The Omen has been redone, uh, a good 10 plus years ago, and that remake, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, it was pretty good on, onto itself as well, uh, and then there was a TV show that came out, and this was maybe four years ago, five years ago, and that's called Damien. And it stars uh, a grown-up. It's a little different from the movies. It doesn't start when he was a baby. It starts, Damien is like a 25, 30-year-old man who is a photographer. He goes on to the Middle East to film, to photograph some, you know, the killings and the genocide and all that other stuff that's going on in different places in the world. He, again, meets up with a woman who knows who he is, and they actually tie in the original movie, The Omen, into the TV show, Damien. But again, that only lasted, I think it lasted one season. It may it may have went two seasons, but I want to say one season. But it's a great one season. And again, it's just those that one of those TV shows that gets canceled because of low viewership, and you just want to go out and tell the world, hey guys, watch this. This is pretty damn good. But the viewership was not that high, and it ended up it didn't end up making it to uh, to uh, second season. So, uh, Vanessa writes, Damien was quite good. Lucifer, better. Uh, Constantine series, awesome. I love the Constantine series. If you're talking about the Lucifer series that's on Fox, sorry, that was on Fox and is now on Netflix, I love that too. You know, that's a funny spin on the whole Lucifer story. Very light, relaxed, not scary. But I love it. I love how... You know, producers, writers, directors put a different spin on something and and make it good and make it worth watching. It doesn't always have to be scary. Uh, Lindsay Sparks writes, wasn't the remake of The Omen with uh, Julia Stiles? You know what? I think it was. I think it was. I think I, I do. I'm not sure, but that sounds familiar. Uh, Vanessa writes, yep, Lucifer series. I love Lucifer. You know, it got canceled on Fox, and we all thought that it was over, but Netflix picked it up. It did great on the first season on Netflix. It got picked up for another season, and it's coming back for yet another season. So, you know, Fox's loss is Netflix's gain when it comes to that. Anyway, guys, thank you so much. Uh, We are pretty much out of time. It's been a pleasure, as always, sitting here and discussing um, these things with you guys, stuff that we love to talk about. Please visit our website at deadtalklive.com. See all of our information. See all of our upcoming guests, featured episodes. If you missed an interview, we've had a lot of them. You can go back and rewatch them. Also, see recent episodes and also, like I said, our guest list. Please visit us on YouTube. Our channel's name is Dead Talk Live. Please feel free to go ahead and subscribe if you have yet to do so. I'm on every night except Sundays. Don't forget, this uh, coming Saturday, we have Ronan Rubinstein as our guest. He is the star of the recently released horror movie Smiley Face Killers. And he's also one of the stars of 911 Lone Star. Him and Rob Lowe are the two stars of that TV show. And I started binge watching that show like uh, about a week ago and I'm almost done with it. It's it really it, it gets you hooked. It gets you hooked. And Smiley Face Killers, which just came out a couple of weeks ago, is a great horror movie. Uh, inspired by true events. I don't want to spoil it for you guys, but he's going to be here with us this coming Saturday at 9.30 p.m. right here live with us on Dead Talk Live. Anyway, guys, thank you so much. Stay safe till tomorrow night. Remember to always stay walking. Good night.